Hey there, this is Daniel. Thanks for listening to DIY Money. Now, if you haven't already, be sure to give us a five-star review so your friends know that this is a show that they can learn from. Check out our blog at DIYMoney.org. That's DIYMoney.org. Now, enjoy this episode. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to DIY Money. Last episode, we went into the weeds a little bit talking about money mistakes. It was depressing. Really? I don't know. I mean, it's it's uh, mistakes are are necessary in life to learn. That's true. Yes. At some point, at some point, I've not run into anybody who's made zero mistakes, and if they have, then I I feel like maybe they're not really being transparent. Life. What's What's the biggest money mistake you've ever made? Um, the biggest one. Boy, can I have two? Uh, sure. Okay, one was buying a car quickly and easily because we had, I totally was, I'm horrible when it comes to cars. I really just hate the whole process of talking to people and going to the finest. This was 10 years ago when they didn't have Carvana and all those fancy things now where you can research online as well, and I was a sucker. I just, we blew way too much money. We just bought the car quickly because it was like 5 p.m. We were at the dealership. I was tired. I didn't want to go back and do it the next day again. I was just like, we'll just, we'll take that one. How much is it? Whatever, whatever you want to negotiate. Sure. Can you give me $200 off? <laughs> Finance department? Sure. We'll take whatever rate you're giving us. I'm going down to better days auto sales where our cars seen better days and we want. I really don't care at this point. I'm so hungry. I want to go home. So we were a sucker on that one. Uh, in the investment world, uh, Years ago, we owned um, some Starbucks stock. We, you know what? It wasn't a horrible mistake, but we needed the money actually to move out here to Lexington to come hang out with you and, uh, you know, build cool things together. And so uh, it was in the middle of the financial depression, recession, whatever you want to call it, back in, in 2008. Starbucks was exceptionally cheap, way low price, but, you know, we needed the cash in an account, in a savings account to have as an emergency fund to move out here. Uh, to really take a chance on an opportunity. So we sold it uh, sort of probably more emotionally than anything. And uh, in hindsight, not in hindsight because Starbucks has gone up from here, but because looking at it truly, it was more of a, uh, we want that cash in an account, not exposed to risk in the market. And so um, I would put that down as a mistake. Again, had it not gone anywhere, I'm saying the mistake was how we approached the decision. It sounds like in both instances, and you alluded to this uh, at the opening of the show, in both instances, you learned yeah. and you uh, won't make those mistakes again. No, my, uh, uh, Ashley, my wife, is probably going to buy every car from here because she's a, she's a bulldog. Well, and, you send and her into the dealership. You, like. you alluded to the fact that there are new uh, products, new services. I bought a car off Carvana recently. It was an incredible experience. Um, I highly recommend it if you're well-versed in that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. True um, car is good for research these days. Yep. So, so. you know, th that th that's going to help you uh, knowing your weakness or knowing, you know, that you can be susceptible to that is mm -hmm. going to help you. Um, I want to share uh, one that I think segues nicely into this show. Uh, and it, and it, in hindsight, you know, if I had to do it over again, as far as the 
quote-unquote mistake. I'm even reluctant to call it a mistake. Now, I'm not going to be one of those guys who goes, oh, I'm, I mistakenly you know, made 1,000% on XYZ, and I could have made 5,000. That drives me nuts. Okay, that, that's, like a, that, that's not a mistake. That's like a humble brag. You're, you know, yeah, you, you could have been awesome. You know, what's your greatest weakness? I said, oh, I, I expect too much of myself. Come on. What, what are you talking about? It's ridiculous. Anyways, okay. Those are things that just drive me nuts in life. Clearly. Uh, m- my wife and I moved to Florida. M- much like your situation you were talking about for an opportunity, my wife and I, um, shortly after being married, th- this is where it lays the groundwork for how wonderful my wife is. We are married less than six months, and I have what I perceive as an incredible opportunity to work with and learn from uh, one of the great investors and traders of our time. It requires a dramatic shift in business, a geographic move, uh, as well as a tremendous amount of financial risk in that we are going from a a pretty stable income I have built a, a decent business. My wife was a successful physical therapist. We had a modest home. We had started our life together. And I went to her and said, I'll never forget this. I have an opportunity to work with a guy down in Florida. Would you consider us moving there? She said, of course. That, you know, it sounds great. Who's this guy? Well, it's a guy I met on the internet. Okay, so that didn't go over well. There was a backstory, obviously, and he wasn't just a guy I met on the internet. But nonetheless, uh, the the question was quickly followed up. Why? Well, that's interesting. Um, well, so what will you get paid? What will the income be? Well, there is no salary, but I will get a percentage of the business. So we're going to basically close up shop here. We're going to move down to Florida uh, with no guarantee of pay. We're going to give up our, our life for a guy that we barely know. Okay, uh, you'd uh, think that this is the mistake part. It, actually, that wasn't. That was actually turned out really, really good. The mistake was as follows. This was in 2005, and we moved down, and the irony was, this is truly the irony, I was petrified of the housing market. Housing had been accelerating for many years to levels that I felt were incredibly unsustainable. Now, I'm not going to go into this whole big short analysis, if you know what I'm talking about there regarding the movie or the book, uh, and how I calculated out that I could make a billion dollars shorting the mortgage back. No, that's not the point. The point is, I just knew that banks were lending to people at unsustainable levels as far as their income uh, to expense ratios, et cetera, and housing prices, which were ridiculously elevated, were probably going to correct, and it scared me to death to the point where... We had had some personal rental properties. As I told you, we had our modest starter home. We sold everything, and I was very glad we did because when we went to Florida, we were going to rent our home, and that's exactly what we did. We rented a home. I clenched my teeth. It was very hard to sign that lease because it was, just like the housing prices, it was an exorbitant amount of money to pay in rent. But I was super concerned about the housing market and wanted to wait. Fast forward one year, the housing market starts to correct. I was very pleased with our decision, but now we were pregnant with our first child. 
It looked like we were going to be down there for many years. The business was successful. Things were going well. And so we made the decision in 2006 to purchase a home in Florida. Now, I can tell you that everything I talked about as far as the mistakes made regarding emotion versus objective, mathematical decisions, et cetera, that we talked about in the last episode, every red flag, bell, and whistle was going off for me not to move in to this purchase. And the only reason that we did move forward was this emotional desire to own a home when we had our first child. Something about having a bedroom, painting the room, etc., etc. And so we bit the bullet and went and bought a home, not at the exact top in the market, but pretty darn close. The one caveat that saved us a great deal was I would not buy a new development. I only would buy something in an established almost senior citizen type neighborhood because my fear was or my belief was that if things were correcting or you know fell off the map as they did that at least would hold some long-term value people would want to still be in that decent community i really felt that the newer communities would be more uh, susceptible to damage and so we bought in an older well-established area uh, we had to do uh, some renovations on the home etc but it was Thankfully, one of the things that completely uh, allowed us to keep the home um, and and not you know totally go uh, uh, into into financial problems. Fast forward one year later, uh, the business changed dramatically as far as uh, the partnership, and it made a perfect sense for us to sort of uh, go our separate ways and for us to move back to Kentucky. Our son at the time was one. Obviously, we had had him a year before. Uh, we wanted to become closer to family, so on and so forth. However, leaving Florida at that time, owning real estate was probably the worst thing we could do, and thus became the big mistake. Now, fast forward, we ended up renting it. We bought some time as far as you know, renting it and allowing it to pay our bills, et cetera, until the housing market rebounded. We were able to sell it. We still took a loss. We're able to use it as a tax advantage. So we tried to make lemonade out of lemons. But this segues into our show. For a very long time, there was a big point of contention with my wife and I regarding that decision. And what I finally had to realize, because look, history books, they might be written a little bit different way. Maybe it's written that my wife really wanted that house, and I really didn't want that house, but I made the decision to, you know what? Okay, let's buy the house. That's maybe what the history books say, but you know what? We're not going to go there. But here's where we're going to go. For a long time, that became this little unspoken bitter contention between us that really could have negative. I mean, I'm very honest, could have negatively to the point of, I don't think divorce, but it could have really created a problem in our marriage until one day a very good friend of mine I was lamenting to him oh, I got this house these tenants you know they're they trashed the place and now we got to get new tenants in and I got to drive down there I can't believe we bought this house it's so stupid blah 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 and he looked at me and he said Quint you bought that house 
And I said, yeah, I know, I know. But, you know, I never wanted that house. I never. No, no, Quint, you bought that house. No one dragged you kicking and screaming to a closing. No one made you sign your name. No one made you write the check for the down payment. No one made you take that loan out. You did that, and you need to own it. And what he was saying was as follows. The minute my wife and I became a partnership, I was as responsible for the good as the bad as she was. We were partners. Unfortunately, I wasn't owning my half of the responsibility. I was saying, you know what? The good decisions are probably mine. The bad decisions are hers. And friends, I can't speak loudly enough to the point that that is a horrible and very potential detrimental way to conduct your partnership. So when you are in marriage, you are going into marriage, or if you are in a marriage right now, you have to put down any frustration or anxiety that you may have that could lead to bitterness, that could lead to, and maybe is, leading to arguments, fights, etc. And you have to become united, working as a team for your partnership to succeed financially. Daniel, what are some other ways? So it's not just mistakes. What are some other ways that people need to own their financial situation with their partner? Well, I would say that you need to have a real honest discussion about what it is that you value in life and and what you value about getting out of life. Because more often than not, uh, even though you are married and and you are one and uh, maybe you're just in a relationship and, and not yet married and you're kind of one, you're sharing a lot of stuff together, you are going to bring oftentimes uh, differing values into life. So for instance, uh, let's take a look at how you spend for a moment. Some of you will value experiences above all things. So for some of you, you don't really care about having the latest iPhone. You don't really care about buying your uh, clothes at uh, J. Crew instead of uh, Marshalls or something of that line. You're fine with you know whatever possessions you get, but you love you love experiences, and so uh, you love to spend money on uh, vacations or you know eating out at the latest and greatest restaurant. It's it's experiencing life that you truly value, and you're willing to to allocate part of your budget there, and you're willing to really spend there. But your your partner or your spouse uh, may really value the things, really having nice things that you know may value having a nice newer car that doesn't break down all the time, or may value the way that they feel uh, or the way that they look in clothes that are a little bit nicer. And they may not actually value that nice meal. They may go, well, you know what? It doesn't make sense for us to spend $100 on one night when I can spend $100 on something uh, that I can own for the next year or two and continue to get pleasure out of. The irony there, and it's not really irony, I guess, but the fact of the matter there is that neither one of those are actually wrong. Those are your own personal truth. And so you have to talk about those and reconcile those and be honest with one another on those and find a way to, to find harmony in those and give each other space to, to live in those and to, uh, to value those as they may. But figure out how you're going to do that together. You're also probably going to value uh, your financial journey differently. So, so some of you uh, may be on the uh, cut it side, like, 
hey, you know, we love what we do. We love the life that we have. Let's just try to cut it and create margin in our budget. And then some of you may be on the create side. Hey, let's, you know, let's get into a higher paying job or let's have a side hustle. Let's uh, turn some of our time into money instead of just sitting at home and, and, and watching Netflix. Let's, you know, get out there and create. And so you have to reconcile those values as well. But it's important to identify those and, and really talk about those, figure out where each of you lie and what it is that you're doing about those as a team. Earlier in the episodes, we talked about knowing your roles. And I think in regards to who is who uh, and, and who is the CFO, who is the supporting character, uh, and, and that's not necessarily the husband or the wife. Uh, it, it has to do with who's been given that skill set, who, who is passionate about that. And ultimately, it comes down to whoever takes that role, you're responsible for being that, that organized CFO type person. Once you accept that responsibility, you cannot harbor bitterness or frustration or anger that your partner is not that person, that they've not been given that desire. You can't go around, oh, you know, I'm, I do all the budget, I do this, and they don't even care. Now, flip side is, however, if you are the supporting person, your job is not to undermine the, the role of the CFO. Your job is to support. Your job is to cheerlead. Your job is to provide the receipts, provide the information, to be there uh, making sure you are supporting the efforts because... If you are if you are undermining or not giving uh, a lot of let's say credit uh, where credit is due, that's what will start the bitterness. That's what will start the frustration. This is a team. This is a team that works together, and ultimately, you are going to own whether you like it or not. You are going to own the wins and you're going to own the losses of your team. You cannot just own the wins. You got to own the losses. Here's one thing that I want to I want to carve out to our young pre-married couples. Number 1, you should be talking about money early. Not just how much money do you have? <laughs> I mean, your values, the way you look at money. How about how about your upbringing? I'm learning as I go down this path, not just myself personally as I explore more in the personal finance world, but as I'm reading and dissecting all this information, that a lot of it has to do the way we were exposed to money, the way our parents handled money, the way our parents talked about money. Talk about that with your future spouse. How will you conduct money in your family? Will you talk about it openly? Is it a hush-hush thing? Is it something you're going to engage with your children? Is it something that you're going to sit down regularly and talk about? Are you the spouse going, yeah, you're the, you're the man, you, you, you're supposed to handle that? Uh, that's what my dad did. He never talked about it. Or are you the, the, the guy who says, you know what? You're supposed to handle the checkbook. I make the money. I bring it in. Or do you both work and say, you know what? I'm both very independent. We're both going to provide. We're both going to work on this together, etc. There is no separation. There is one checking account. We, can go, we could spend another 8 million years on this. But I don't care if you're each of your pay comes into your own checking accounts, but ultimately there is one. There cannot be two separate. What's mine is mine and what's hers is hers or what, what's mine is mine and what's his is his. No, that does not work. There is a unified front. Also talk about debt. What are you bringing into the marriage? 
What do you have in the marriage? If you are newly married or you are pre-marriage, the minute you walk across that, that line, you accept this person in sickness and in health till death do us part, that is your debt as well. Own it. Own it. It isn't that he brought this into the marriage and we're now dealing with that in his condescending, patronizing tone. It isn't that, well, she had this car loan, and, you know, if we didn't have that. No, you are accepting this person into your life, whether they have debt, whether they have flush with cash, it makes no difference. Own it. It becomes one. And if you are harboring that, then you have some work to do on yourself. You have some work you need to get with someone. You, you need to get by yourself. You need to, you know, you need to do some work on yourself and go, you know what? I'm actually, I am harboring that. I am really frustrated that, that this bad credit situation was brought into the marriage, that the bad debt situation. I am frustrated. That, and, and I'll tell you something, friends. Let me tell you something. It's not worth it. It's not worth it to get frustrated and angry and it negatively impact your marriage. It's not. Ain't nobody got time for that. There is no dollar amount that's worth that. There is no dollar amount. And again, while we cannot find the statistic, it's often quoted incorrectly in my opinion. Most divorces are because of finances. We all assume that. I see that written and printed. I've never been able to prove that. However, every time I do see a statistic about divorces, and I have the opportunity to talk to people, et cetera. There is a common thread, and the common thread does come back to money. So I'm here to tell you, there is no dollar amount, there is no debt amount, there is no liability that is worth sacrificing your relationship for. So deal with it together as a team. Own it, because it's yours. Anything to add, Daniel? I mean, that's... uh... That's pretty good. Awesome. If, if you're in a relationship, you got to own it. Well, let's wrap it up then. You've listened to another DIY Money. Go on uh, the iTunes, give us five stars, share this with your friends. I think a lot of people do need to hear this message. It, you know, I, I think you should share it, listen to it again. I, I really hope you find value in this because we're obviously speaking to this not only from personal experience, but but very passionately trying to make sure uh, that you're on the right path for financial success. All right. Remember, friends, creating wealth is not that difficult. Live on less than you make, invest the rest, and do it for a very long time. Make it a great day. Thanks for listening to this week's show. Be sure to check out all that we have on the blog, DIYmoney.org. And if you haven't already, leave a review so your friends know that this is a show worth listening to.